What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to The Divide with Mike and Corey, two diehard baseball fans who don't agree on anything. Which side will you choose? This to the is The Divide mm-hmm. with Mike and Corey. Mm-hmm. That's your boy, Todd Frazier. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. I'm Julie Stewart-Binks. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Cliff Floyd. You can catch me on The Divide. You can catch me on The Divide on Fox Sports The Gambler. Hopefully, our disagreements one day bring us all together. So stupid. So... So corny. So I hope our disagreements bring us together. Yeah, I do. This is the divide. <laughs> and welcome everybody to the divide on Fox Sports The Gambler 102.5 Philly, 104.1 Trenton, but more importantly, 104.5 HD2 now. And that sucker gets us all the way to the Jersey Shore. So we're making moves, man. Shout out to the Fox Sports, the Gambler, Sean Brace, uh, everybody in company. Uh, we're making some moves. Uh, the one move you'll notice is I don't have my man who likes the moves, Corey, in studio. I like this move. Yeah, and that move is he decided to have a baby. So my man's a dad. He's not with me tonight. But don't worry, I won't be alone for the whole show. Uh, but I will open it up alone. and. Congratulate my co-host, my best friend, now dad, which I can't believe I'm saying, um, you know, Mr. Corey. So shout out to Corey and Murphy, the beautiful daughter he just had with his wife, uh, you know, and I, I can't wait to one meter, but also I can't wait to not have to do an opening for the divide ever again, uh, because, uh, you know, I always have him there to do the openings and closings. And he does it so well. So look, uh, a lot going on in the world of sports right now, especially in this tri-state area, whether it's the Phillies. Bryce Harper told his team he's not taking, you know, mediocrity at all. It's getting late early to quote Yogi Bear, And that's Bryce Harper's commitment to his team right now saying, hey, look, we got to win some ball games." And last night they didn't win a ball game, but they played very well against a very hard Atlanta Braves team. And I know there's some Philly fans out there right now that kind of feel one way or the other. Like, look, man, that's all you're looking for right now. Like, play those games. I get it. Wanted a better outcome. You know, uh, harp on what just happened in Cincinnati. I mean, your team came back from a five. It, any team that's down 5 nothing, I don't care who you are, you're not expecting to win that ball game. And to win it the way the Phillies did, uh, and in, in the fashion they did, uh, that's an exciting high. So you got three more against the Braves starting tonight. Hopefully, uh, you know, you could get your share of it. I know as a Met fan, I need you to kind of do that. So if you could do that, that'd be great. But uh, look, there's there's a lot going on. The Yankees, you got Aaron Boone getting kicked out of uh, two out of the last four games, which is remarkable. I think that's a record. So you could see frustrate frustration throughout uh, the entire East. Uh, forget AL or NL, like just the East in general. So 
Uh, every team's trying to perform. The Mets just dropped two out of three in Chicago uh, after the Phillies did well against Chicago. So it's it's kind of bizarre, but, uh, you know, they ended it with a bang, the Mets. They they won 10-1. Uh, to 1. Pete Alonso hit his 19th home run of the season, so that's remarkable. And there's there's just so much going on. You got Boston uh, acting like they're the Red Sox against the Yankees right now. Uh, coming back out of nowhere, the Celtics uh, to now making that series uh, three to two. And I think that's advantage Boston. I hate to say it. So there's, there's a lot going on and I'm going to talk with that, with my, uh, the guys that are going to join me in, in this studio right now. And that's uh stuff about sports uh, germ. You may have seen them throughout our network, throughout Fox sports, the gambler. He creates a lot of graphics for us and his co-host who kind of looks like my co-host spoiler alert. It's his identical twin brother, uh, Bert, who uh, is a huge Yankee fan, huge Rangers fan. I know I hate them too, uh, but you know they're going to give you their sports takes and I'm going to ask them a bunch of questions that they have no idea what I'm going to ask. So tune into that. We'll be right back. This is The Divide on Fox Sports, The Gambler. If you can wager on it, we're talking about it. It's The Gambler. Baseball season normally brings us together, unless you're listening to The Divide. Now here's Mike and Corey. <laughs> no it ain't it's burton germ <laughs> and we sir uh so uh spoiler alert uh you know as as i mentioned in my intro Corey is not here so i got the guy that looks like Corey and uh germ uh who makes magic throughout the give us a shot network q102 fox sports the gambler he's the guy behind the scenes that everybody's high-fiving me for because you know, it, uh, just doing amazing things for us. Uh, if you saw any of the Sixers watch parties, the reason why we look so good is because of this man. Uh, and uh, yeah, huge Sixers fan. So, Germ, thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. No problem. It's a team effort around here, man. So I uh, appreciate you uh, letting us uh, hang out while Corey's away. Yeah. And Burke, congrats on your new niece. Uh, thanks. Yeah, no, very exciting. And, uh, you know, good to be here as well. I completely understand. Like, if you can't get Corey, let's get the next best thing. I know. You look like him and you've got time yeah. on your hands. Let's go. Yeah. Well, everybody oh, knows uh, on, on, on our show, it's uh, that Bert is the prettier Corey and, and oh, Corey yeah. is the uglier Bert. So yeah. <laughs> for just, those who don't know, yeah. they're twins, but I, I got the better looking one. Really yeah, it's did. funny because uh, a lot of guys who follow the network or even in, in the radio world are just like, Yo, Corey works hard. Like, he's on every show. I tune in, and there's Corey. Like, yeah. Mike, you need to step your game up. And, like, so my eyes been twitching ever since that ever happened. <laughs> now, we just, we just took a note that. out of the book of the prestige. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there's just two yeah. of us. That's awesome. So, look, uh, you guys uh, have an amazing show. It's Stuff About Sports. It's uh, very raw. It's the longest-running show on our network, ironically, you know, co-created by Corey, Ty, and all three of us. So it's really cool. But let me tell you something. That show is now, you guys took it and ran with it. Like, we created a concept, uh, and it was just like a free-for-all. You guys have created a formula that has not only now created more shows on our network, but has become uh, – the, the marquee show for for our network to to continue to to reach out to young entrepreneurs and young podcasters to continue their voice so congrats on that um 
if you don't know, Jerm is a huge Bills, Mets, and Sixers fan. Mm -hmm. uh, Burt, Rangers, Yankees, Giants. Giants. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great little divide a little bit uh, in, or most bit, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then on, on the hockey side, uh, Jerm's falling in love with the Canes. So the yep. first thing I want you guys to talk about is your respected passions. I know Bert is a huge Rangers fan. He's a season yeah. ticket holder. Um, and Jerm, uh, the reason why those Sixers graphics look so good is because this dude is, is 76ers till he, till he dies for sure. So uh, my question to you is uh, play owner, play GM. What are you doing with these teams? Honestly. Uh, Bert, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, to plug our own, but we, we kind of spoke about this a little bit stuff about sports, too. And it, it was it's a not a tough question for me to answer by any means as a Ranger fan, because I think we have all the necessary pieces here. We have a really solid young defensive core that really grew into their own over the past two years. And then our, you know, our goaltender is to easily top three in the NHL with Igor Shesterkin. And then you take a look at our offense side of thing, our top six can't be moved i think one of the biggest missing pieces we have is with what we call our kid line and filipito capococco and alexis you know lafreniere these are kids that really haven't been able to develop under a coach who's good at developing young talent i mean we had dq uh so you know quinn who coached the uh i think for two or three seasons then he got fired last year uh, gerard gallant came in had a phenomenal season with us. We made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, lost to Tampa Bay. So in his sophomore year as a coach this year, had a decent, you know, look, decent regular season, I'll say. Uh, certainly, very happy with it. Get matched up with the Devils. And when we look at that playoff series, that that's really, excuse me, what we saw throughout the season is Gallant not being able to make adjustments in-game, set up a system enough where everybody meshes together and not go far in the playoffs when we had arguably an all-star roster at the trade deadline. We had the additions of Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, who are world renowned players who have won Stanley cups before have been there, done that and should be putting points up on the board. And they were lagging too. So when you look at our complete roster, it came down to coaching issues. If you can't get an all-star roster up and ready to win a championship, let alone make it out of the first round, that's the first thing we have to look to. We, can, we can't keep blaming talent for not showing up if the guys who are there to get them ready for the game are not preparing them well. It's as easy as that. And the reason I'm pointing to coaching is, one, because they've already fired Gallant because they know it was a bad move. Well, excuse me, mutually agreed to part ways with Gallant because it wasn't an official firing, but we all know it was basically a firing. Um, but on top of that too, all of our top guys have no move clauses by any means. And sure, we can go out there, we can trade the kid line if we want to. We can trade some of our other complimentary players, if you will, but I don't think they're the issue. I think the kids need a coach to come in that's going to develop them. Um, and then they'll take off. They're, they're great all-star players, but we need a guy to come in, have a great system, have the players trust. We need an assistant to come in and really nail down the power play to be a juggernaut. I mean, you have to look at, you know, the great things the Boston Bruins just did in the regular season in setting an NHL record for wins. I mean, you had, you know, your older veterans on that team. You had comp you had your new guys there. It was just a great mix, but they had outstanding coaching too in that whole organization. So um, I think that's honestly what we need. And we're halfway there. They've already fired Gallant. They're going to clear house with everybody else, and we're going to interview for new coaches. Now, my fear for the Rangers is they're going to go back to Gallant-like 
coaches and interviewed them. So there's already talks about Quinville, who used to be with Boston. He's an old NHL guy, does it the same way as Gallant. So we're going to get the same result in and out. There were just talks and rumors about Peter LaViolette, who at one point coached the Flyers. And Flyers fans listening, you all know how well that turned out. And then since then has done nothing but had great first seasons with his other um, coaching gigs. Uh, and then in his sophomore slumps have yet again failed to produce. So what we need in a coaching staff is we need a new mind. We need someone that hasn't been coaching in the NHL for more than one, two years most, or dare I say a brand new coach to the NHL that has coached in other, whether minor league systems or even the NHL, and maybe have taken a break before too, because you know everybody will be quick to point to me and say, well, what do you mean? You had Quinn who came from college. It's not the same thing. Um, you know, we need just a fresh mindset to be able to get the guys ready. The NHL is changing and we need as bad as it is. And I appreciate those coaches that have been here before, but we need to just get them out and we need new blood and new mindsets in for the Rangers is what it comes down to. Well said, well said. It, it makes me think about the flyers and all the moves they're making in their front office. So, uh, you're, you're kind of the same mindset, even though, you know, obviously flyers might make a few different moves if they're in the Rangers position right now, whether it be a playoff. So, uh, you know, you see them bringing in talent that, you know, obviously uh, big names in, in the flyer community. So, uh, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, you know, it, it's it's tough to go through seven. I didn't like what the Rangers head coach said afterwards was just like, yeah, we knew they were a good team. It was just it, it felt like dead man walking type mentality. And you can't really have that around your club. No, especially not in your second year when you had higher expectations, right? right? I mean, you never want, you don't want a situation where after a game seven loss, you have the coach being like, yeah, well, you know, these guys just didn't show up. You don't want them bashing the team, but you also don't want them rolling over and playing dead and just being like, yeah, they were a good team and we knew it. Like, yeah, we knew they were a good team, but guess what? I mean, three games in that series, we took it to them and beat them yeah. by at least four goals. And the other four games we lost, we we didn't put anything up on the board. So it's it was just inconsistent. It was inconsistent play. It was inconsistent coaching and it was a pure embarrassment. And I think he knew at that time, like he's done. I think the second we lost games three and four in that series, I think he knew he had lost the locker room. And he's like, if we, the only way I'm keeping my job is if we make it out of the series. And for anybody that watched that game seven, it was an abysmal showing by the Rangers. I've never been more embarrassed to be a Ranger fan after watching their play as I have in that one game it was awful we lost four nothing we yeah. we barely showed up and for a game seven against a cross river rival like that that's something that can't happen so speaking of keeping your job uh, i cringed a little bit when i saw jamal and sean brace going back and forth on, on social media <laughs> about the, the beloved sixers so mm -hmm. i can't wait for uh germs ownership slash gm take of the beloved uh, Philadelphia Sixers. And uh, dear God, I hope this is not my last day on the radio. <laughs> well, listen, all right, Brace, I hope you're listening, buddy. Because the Philadelphia 70s, so you're too, Jansen, turn the hat back forwards. Because this is your, put it on, because it's about to be blown off. All right. The Sixers should indeed entertain trading Joel Embiid. And here's why. His value at this point, because the goal is not, we have 10 years of Joel Embiid not making it out of the second round. His value now is never going to be higher coming off of an MVP season. 
So if you want to kickstart the process 2.0 or you want to ensure that the Sixers will remain at least competitive for the next five to 10 years, if you look at the trade packages around Kevin Durant and Rudy Gobert, and at this point in time, Joel Embiid is better than both of them, you are going to get at least a high-end, perhaps even an all-star caliber player, one or two role players, and or a bevy of picks. You take that those assets and with Tyrese Maxey and you surround yourself. Look at the teams that are in contention now. They're not building them with a bunch of star players, two or three star players. You're not bringing in anybody. To me, Joel Embiid's time as a number one option should be over. You have had 10 years to prove that you can lead this team and you have failed. I'm not saying you're not a bad player. I'm saying he's a great player, but Anthony Davis is in the same boat. You've had plenty of chances to be the leader and you're, you're a beta dog. You're not an alpha. You're a beta and it's okay. Scotty Pippen was a beta, but when it was, there was, there was, but he's one of the 50 greatest players of all time. Right? So, but when Scotty needed to lead the team, when Jordan couldn't, then Scotty did his job. Joel Embiid can absolutely win games for the Sixers. He can't be the best player on the team now, unless there's a coach that can reach out to him and stop telling him to play like a two guard playing isolation basketball from the three point line. When you have 75 year old Al Horford under the rim and you refuse to play under the rim in a game six or game seven and not finish those guys out, you have to look towards the future. Now, everything should be on the table for the Sixers. Again, how many more years of losing to the Celtics in the second round do you need to see to realize Joel Embiid just can't do it? And so, again, this is not about Joel Embiid as a player. This is about timing. The timing for the Sixers is perfect. If you wanted to trade Joel Embiid, like I said, because of his value right now being as high as it's going to be. Because if you wait two or three years and have another two or three years of failure, and then you try to trade him, he's going to be two or three years older, his production, and again, the failures mounting up, his his stock isn't going to be as high then if you wait too late. Do it now if you're going to do it. And again, I'm not saying they should. I'm saying if you are going to do it, you're better off doing it now than waiting two or three years. Uh, I mean, uh, personally, I, I do think that that is – a business thought of what the Sixers should do uh, as a, as opposed to a lot of the fandom uh, that I see. And, and it's hard. You fall in love with these players. Like I think about like Pete Alonzo, right? Uh, he's about to be a free agent for the Mets, Reese Hoskins for the Phillies, although he's injured this year. And you just really realize that dude, you fall in love with these players. So it's, it's hard to take yourself out of that. So when you care about a team so much, and a player becomes that team, it's very hard to imagine him in a different uniform. And uh, you're kind of putting a perspective of, hey, if this guy's not going to win you a championship, sell, sell why he's at the highest. Because you're looking at MVP-type caliber, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get the biggest chip you could ever imagine for him, right? So yep. uh, that's similar to what the Mets did with R.A. Dickey. Uh, he won a Cy Young. We sent him up to Tor Toronto. Uh, and we got uh, Noah Syndergaard for that. And next thing you know, the Mets are in the World Series. So that can work. Uh, I just don't think there's many players like Joel Embiid in the world. Right. You know, so so that's where it becomes, uh, you know, is there really that much value out there that would allow 
uh, the Sixers to, I mean, it, it would have to be uh, for the next four or five years of just, oh, wow, that's because we did this. You know what I mean? It couldn't just yeah. be one cash grab and then gone. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't expect them to just trade them for like some picks and you're not rebuild you're not rebuilding from the ground up. Again, you look at the packages for like look what Brooklyn. Brooklyn is in a pretty good spot, you know, with Mikel Bridges emerging as as a potential all-star, but yeah. with Joel Embiid just being a higher and hotter commodity than what Kevin Durant and Rudy Gobert, you look at what these guys are going for these days. If you were, if you were look, if the Sixers again, it would have to be right too. Just because you are willing to trade them doesn't mean you have to trade them. Just, but you would get, you would get enough to be again competitive. We, we've had ten years of Joel Embiid. What are you going to add? We just added James Harden. You're going to bring crazy Kyrie to Philly. What do you like? What do you? What's what's out there as in terms of one piece? We need more than one thing. It wasn't, we weren't just James Harden away or Joel Embiid away. Like we had other issues with this team and maybe a, a Nick Nurse or a Jay Wright can fix those issues. Um, you know, I, I would like to see, I would like to see a Nick Nurse come in rather than Jay Wright, who's never coached in the NBA before. Um, but I would, I would like, um, or at least in this, the today's NBA, I just, I just would like to see somebody get to Joel Embiid and tell him, to stop slowing this offense down in the half court. Cause that's when the, when he was out and James Harden was there with Maxi and Tobias Harris and, and Paul Reed, the ball was moving. The, the offense was moving. It wasn't a standstill offense. There was a lot of things happening, but when we have to slow everything down because Joel Embiid wants the ball at the three point line and then he's clearing everybody out, it's just not, it doesn't work. And that's why, you know, it's great for the regular season when you're beating up on the Pistons, but it's not great when you're in a seven game series versus the Boston Celtics. Right. Uh, so I want to switch gears real quick, go into baseball real quick. I want to do one funny and then uh, we could all take our takes. I'll, I'll take the Phillies uh, and uh, Jerem, you could take your Mets and then Bert, uh, you could do Corey's job and that's the Yankees. Uh, but Trevor Bauer was sent down to the minors in Japan. And I don't know if you ever saw this, but Trevor Bauer is Mr. Sticky himself, right? So he was the one that started telling everybody that, hey, look, you could use the substance and, you know, um, you could pretty much do anything you want with a baseball. Like he had a YouTube video about it, all this other stuff. Japan has no regulations. We saw it in the, the Olympic games. Uh, you know, they just throw rosin like, like it's baby powder and you're LeBron. Uh, so it's, it's absolutely nuts uh, what you could get away with in Japan baseball. So the fact that this man is being sent down to the minor leagues in Japan, one shows how strong Japan is, you know, because like a lot of things like, in basketball like players go overseas and they dominate right you're seeing that right now with howard right uh so um i hate to see it kind of thing but i want to i want both of your takes on you know mr trevor bauer and and his woes in japan i love that i love that three years ago he was winning cy young's and now he's giving up bombs into in the japanese minor leagues and i just it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I just let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, this is the product of obviously uh, someone who's been through uh, a lot of troubles and maybe hasn't touched a baseball, and this is the only job he can get. So I think he's just grateful to be over there, to be honest with you. Um, but the sheer—I mean, the sheer irony is not beyond me in the fact that, like, oh yeah, you can you can certainly uh, use the sticky and then go over to a place where it's completely legal and still. Absolutely, get rocked. Um, Dude, even the ball is sticky there. 
Like it's almost like a basketball the way the way it's described. It's a textured baseball. The way I mean, it should be that way in the. I love it's. I think it's slightly bigger and and uh, yeah. it's textured. So, um, I would love to see the U.S. adopt the Japanese baseball. I think it's great. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. Uh, so I want to slide into the Yankees with Burt real quick. I mm-hmm. uh, lost a guy that you paid a lot of money to, Aaron Hicks. Uh, the Yankees decided to DFA him. You know, uh, never a fun moment, but. Uh, you know, I do feel that this is a guy that could probably bounce back on another team and you mm-hmm. could kind of regret it, but he definitely um, wasn't needed on this team and your thoughts and, and the Yankees moving forward without Aaron. Yeah. I mean, you said something that uh, made my ears perk up, you know, it's, it's always said when this happens, but uh, in this case, not for me, very happy. This happened to be honest with you. Why? Because we have young core talent and a Mr. Harrison Bader that is absolutely crushing it. And I'm sorry. I know he costs a lot of money for a seven year extension for 70 million, but this isn't the first time we've overpaid for an outfielder and decided eh, just go away. Looking at you, Ellsbury, or should I say Smellsbury? So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, I feel bad for him. I do. But to your point, in any other market, he could bounce back. 33 years old, still has a lot of baseball left, has been on, you know, look, when he's on and he's healthy, he's good. The problem is, and over the course of the past, I don't know, four years, he hasn't been healthy. And when he is in the game, he's not good. Um, I mean, this year alone, I can take the averages even for last year, but this year alone hitting 188, 263, 261 with one homer. Uh, so it's just, he's, he wasn't, he wasn't needed. He truly wasn't needed on a roster. Cashman recognizes the fact that our young talent is going to help fill the void. And guess what? See ya. I mean, that's, that's business in baseball. Where will he go next? I don't know, but is he going to make an impact? He absolutely could. And I wish him the best, but for my Yankees who have turned it around ever since Jeremy and I decided to talk our smack on our podcast, uh, couldn't be happier for what's going on right now. Yeah. So, uh, Jerm, the, the Mets obviously uh, have remarkably come back to life. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. after that, they go to Chicago. They drop two out of three. Uh, the last game they obviously took with ease. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is, one, um, you know, do you think they're for real? Uh, two, there's a lot of chatter and the, the, there's a lot of catchers right now uh, in our farm system, yeah. on our uh, injured list. Uh, do you think it could be the ultimate end of season if 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 the Mets allow uh, Francisco Alvarez to go back to the minors, even though he's the only catcher they have with options? Well, I don't think it will happen because we've already designated Sanchez after calling him up like mm-hmm. twenty minutes ago. We already sent him back, so good for good for us because you know that was never going to work. You can't send him back like he's the catalyst for our comeback he's the only like so what Nito gives you in defense Alvarez gives you an offense and what's important to us right now we need to hit the ball we don't need this catching defense like it's we'll be all right and if you read a lot of the Mets media a lot of the pitchers like Alvarez and I don't think it would go over well when you bring this kid up we start winning you're gonna send him back down for what like now I get it if he wasn't productive if he wasn't moving the needle or nothing changed with him, then yeah, bring Nito back and and let's go. But you can't look at the results. Um, Yeah. It's stung to lose to Marcus Stroman and watched him trash talk us uh, as, as the Cubs were beating us the other day, yesterday. I just, I didn't, um, I Alvarez, 
and I said this on stuff about sports, like when the Mets in the couple last week or two weeks ago, when we said, yo, something has to change. And I said, we need to start calling up some of these young guys, something like get these guys who are not being productive out of here. It's, it's too early in the season. You don't want to overreact, especially before all-star break, essentially, you know, it doesn't really matter what happens now. I'd rather the team get hot later in the season, but with the Mets, I mean, they were, they were bottom of the league bad. And I mean, getting beaten by literally bottom four teams in the league regularly was not a good look. So to see us come to life a little bit, again, not expecting the Mets to be undefeated. I don't think any realistic fan is going to sit there and think every, your team should win every game. But just like, you know, I say on stuff, Hey, I don't care that we lose. I care how we lose. And the Mets were losing in unacceptable ways. And I'm glad that they were calling up some of these young guys that we've been trying. We were trying to get Alvarez called up last year. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, no, so no. Uh, th- thank God they finally did something. It, it's just, it's sad that it took us to be this bad for it to happen. But I mean, as long as you ride the hot hand and as long as he's producing and he's making a difference, then I don't think you can, you can change that right now, especially when he has the support of your best players, um, especially your pitchers. I, if the pitchers, have a, a rapport and a relationship with the, with the guy, then, then yeah, you definitely don't want to make any changes right now if, if you don't need to. Well, also it would be a true proof that, Hey, the Mets aren't the Mets of the old, right? Like we're mm. not going to worry about his options and the fact that, you know, we could lose money with the, the other catchers, whether it be Nito, uh, whoever they decide DFA, but because obviously they're going to have to do something right. So, mm. um, it, it would be a true test, but also like there's not much offense on this team. Like there's right. a lot of dead space, whether it be Mark Canna not performing, uh, you know, Volgaback not giving you a, a, really anything at the plate and Tommy Pham. I mean, the last time he got a hit, he slapped uh, Jack Peterson. It feels like, you know, mm-hmm. like, so there's not much going on um, in, in, in this lineup. And then you see the youth coming in. And it's just like, all right, now we got a shot. Vientos is is hot. He's every time he's involved, it's exciting. It regenerated Pete Alonso. I mean, he's number mm-hmm. one in home runs right now throughout all of baseball. So that's exciting, right? And you know, McNeil the other night gets three hits. So it's just yeah. it just seems like they needed this to remind themselves of how they were when they came up. And it wasn't too long ago, but you know, I could also see. Uh, just knowing how the Mets react that, uh, you know, some, some of these young guys might end up going down and coming back up. And I think that's devastating right now. I know, I know it's a young season, but there's uh, for the amount of payroll they got, there's not much offense, you know? So I want to jump onto the other side of the pond and that's the Phillies. I mean, their offense looks incredible. We talked about it last year on uh, last week. It feels like last year, uh, last week on the divide three and a half hits. They're averaging uh, three and a half runs. They're averaging per game. Uh, you know, their bullpen's impeccable. Their starting pitching yeah. is starting to get there. You know, uh, they were in a duel last night with the Braves, but they were in it. So like, uh, the entire game. So it was an exciting game. Uh, they went down to Cincinnati. They won a thriller. Uh, they were down five, nothing. They crawled back into it. Uh, you know, and it, it was just amazing. So I think the Phillies understand that it's getting late early to use Yogi Berra's term because Bryce Harper had a quote like that in the press. And it was just like, hey, we need to start winning now. Like, we can't wait. We can't just be like, oh, it's the same old, same old. We need to start winning now. So the Phillies understand it. 
Uh, the Mets, I guess, understand it. The one thing I want to get both of your reactions on uh, is the whole Stroman show. So for people mm-hmm. who don't know, uh, Marcus Stroman was a New York Met. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, the Mets didn't value him as an ace that he is, in my humble opinion. Uh, they right. went after Max Scherzer. Uh, they were going after other uh prime targets in uh during that free agency and stroman felt a certain way so he took a deal with chicago didn't really tell the mets he was just like i'm going to chicago so this was his first time facing the mets uh in the world of bat flips and everything i feel like what stroman did on the field was next to nothing uh and yet i woke up to reports today and i talked to ty about it for a few hours today uh what with people not happy with stroman's antics I love it. I love it. Good for you. Good for you, Stroman. Baseball needs characters. We talked about this. It's why Corey hates Bryce Harper and I love him. Bryce Harper is marketable and people will gravitate towards Bryce Harper over Mike Trout, even though Trout's a better baseball player because Bryce Harper has charisma. People like to see villains. People like to see outside. Nobody wants to watch the pitcher just throw pitches and walk back to the dugout. Like they like it when they're fired up, man. It's it, it the average viewing age of baseball is 56 years old. If you want to get the younger people involved, get some attitude in the game. That's how, that's how you do it. And and a lot of these guys come from areas where that's how it's done. You, you, you There's a lot of gravitas. There's a lot of bravado. He does something well. And he's emotionally invested. He's going against a team that he felt like devalued him. And if he can serve one up to him, I'm all for it. You know what you do, Mets? You hit better. You, you, you shut him up. You, you get on base. You score runs. That's what you do. If you wanted to shut him up, don't let him do jumping 360 throwouts at first base on you off of little ground balls that you're hitting. Uh, just go yard. You know what I mean? If you don't like it, have some incentive. Um, but I have no problem with a player who – I don't have any problem with a player who wants to do a little trash talking or who wants to show up another team. Uh, that's not that's not your responsibility. You don't gotta like it. You just play. Your job is to play. You can't do nothing about it. And and if if the Cubs are okay with it, then I don't care. But as as for somebody who likes to champion individuality in sports, I love it. He's not breaking any rules. He's not hurting anybody. So go for it. Uh, I, there's really not much I can add to that. To be honest with you, I think Jerm said it perfectly when it's like you know, um, not only do we need characters, but He's not one typically, but this was a very personal game for him. So to wake up to the comments of some of the players being like, I don't, what did the Mets do to him? Or like, you know, be professional. No, don't. It's a game. You're passionate about it. Do you like, this is you. Like if this was Stroh's version of getting back at the Mets, he did it right. And no. nobody should be mad. You know who should be mad? Your performance, Mets. That's what you should be mad about. Less about his antics and more about the fact that you could do nothing. Plain and simple. And I, I like this move. Jerem said he did nothing wrong. He did his job, and he was pumped about it. And it's it's very personal to him. So there it is. Yeah, I personally, I think it's hilarious coming from a team that currently is thrusting their ways of physically <laughs> into first place, right? Or into contention again. So like, like literally, you guys are touching your tips and doing inappropriate things. And you're going to... And bat flips have been through... I mean, uh, Pete Alonso today hit his 19th... Uh, yesterday, he hit his 19th home run. And he was excited. He was animated. So you don't want that from your pitchers? Like, how come this sport is growing in every aspect, whether it be... Uh, grip on the bat, 
uh, backflips, but if the pitcher does something, oh, everybody yeah. stop, you know, like, so it's, it's pretty ridiculous, I think. And uh, as a Met fan, I think it's a terrible move. I uh, should have kept your mouth shut. And if you're not going to keep your mouth shut, here's the thought, like, let Mike Puma, who's an awesome writer, say who said it, like, yeah. you know, don't say it off the record. That's, that's yeah. weak. Yeah, the anonymous source is always the biggest coward in sports. The anonymous GM, the anonymous locker room source, like those guys, eh, put your name to it, man. Like if you're if you're gonna put the story out there or put the quote out there, you know, uh, put your name to it and and don't or don't tell the writer to not put your name out there. And the writer have some backbone, man. Like I, I don't know, it's some of these guys. Baseball is one of the worst sports when it comes to deciding which old timey rules they want to follow and when they want to get with the times why would you get mad at a player celebrating success when again mike just said it you guys are humping fences you're humping each other out there it's weird like it's just weird what the mets are doing but hey if you're gonna keep winning hump away you don't see nobody's nobody's complaining about it because it's like it's working for you that's what marcus stroman needs to do to get jacked up and and play well for his team then then fine you could have had that mets you could have had marcus stroman out there gyrating and doing all types of stuff and 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 yelling and, and cursing at the bench like at the opposing team's bench you just didn't want it and so don't get mad now that he's doing it to you yeah so um before we go to break real quick i just want to one shout out my two guys stuff about sports burton germ you do an amazing job uh you're out there religiously uh you know growing this network so i do appreciate you you could go to give us a shot dot network uh click on the stuff about sports page Check out all these guys. Check out their amazing merch. Follow them on socials at Stuff About Sports. Uh, you know, and Germ and, and Bert interact with their crowd more than anybody else I've ever met in the social media market. So if you got a take or you don't like their take, uh, you know, they'll hear you out and, and they'll give you an opportunity to respond. But you better be smart with it because <laughs> yeah. they will be. So uh, I'll leave you guys with this. Baltimore City connect shirts are are out uh the jerseys are out uh so the orioles released them uh thoughts on them are, are mixed i want to get bert first your opinion on it and then uh we'll let germ finish off uh so i i'm just looking at these for the first time to be honest with you and i don't hate them i i, I like them i it's a change up from the norm i don't know i don't know the design history of it but i mean to me, certainly visually appear, appealing. I, I just like, I mean, keeps it simple on the front, but a little bit of the flare inside of the collar and, and the, um, I don't know, I guess the cuff of the short sleeve too. So um, overall, I think it's dope looking. So the one thing I'll say before Germ goes is a lot of people, I think, had, um, uh, you know, flashbacks of the Great Britain logo. So they don't really uh... like the Baltimore text. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is if you really zoom into it, it's like uh, it almost looks like a chalk, like, you know, the way an outline of a baseball field would be. So I think it's it's done a lot better than just a generic uh, word document text like Great Britain did. But, uh, you know, that is the biggest flawed thing so far with these connect shirts. Uh, their, their hat is dope, too, though. The the B, like the way yeah. the B is written. I like that. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, the B, the B is the B in their Baltimore logo, right? Like on, on their script. Mm -hmm. So they just took the B from from the orange Baltimore script and put it on the hat, which is dope. The colored and I think it's supposed to represent like the neighborhoods. There's like a mural of of yeah. that, like a neighborhood, like a famous thing in Baltimore. 
Uh, so I think that's dope. And to all you uneducated swine out there, these are City Connect jerseys. So you'd think before you'd criticize them uh, that you do a little uh, history research and that, and you would know that that bland word mark that you think is bland is from the old Globe style po uh, posters that are down at the Maryland Institute of Art, which I visited several times and it's beautiful down there. But those old timey posters that have like the uh, musicians and stuff that come and perform uh, down there in Baltimore and the beautiful harbor area, those are that's a throwback or a shout out to to that style font uh, that was popular back in uh, back in those days. So uh, City Connect jerseys connecting with your city. So learn about it. Jerks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, listen, this is uh, The Divide uh, with Stuff About Sports. Uh, you know, you can, uh, we'll be right back right after this short commercial break. Uh, this is The Divide on Fox Sports, The Gambler. The Gambler. Philly's home for all things sports gambling. Listening to The Divide right here on The Gambler. All right, and we're back. I want to thank um, my guest for the evening once again. Stuff out sports, Burton Germ. Check them out on the Give Us a Shot Network. Uh, you know they're they're all over. You could check them out on YouTube, Facebook. Uh, just search Stuff About Sports; they'll pop up. Um, and also, I'm, I I want to once again congratulate my co-host Corey and his beautiful daughter and his wife uh, created a family, and uh, I'm so excited. Uh, few more things I want to get into before we wrap things up over here. One, the Rays and Blue Jays this week uh, played a baseball game, but nobody attended it. It was the lowest attended game so far this year, probably for a very long time. Uh, only 8,857 fans were in attendance. This is a first place baseball team. If there's any sign that the Rays should be out of Tampa, it's this right now. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, could you imagine if the Phillies had that record? Could you imagine if the Mets had that re record? Could you imagine if the San Francisco Giants had that record? I'll even go as far as to say the Colorado Rockies. Like, this is insane. Uh, Major League Baseball, you have to have an intervention. There has to be a game plan. Uh, if Tampa doesn't want a baseball team, there's plenty of places that would. Uh, I don't ever think there was a time in Montreal where, where attendance was that low. You know, and it, and I know Oakland is, is awful too, but at least you hear the fact that they're going to actually do something there. You know, so absolutely crazy. Uh, what else is crazy is Powers Parlay. Uh, I've missed a few. Uh, one not my fault, one my fault. Uh, but Sean Brace is going to join me this Tuesday uh, in in studio, so I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, I don't think we've really actually done – he hasn't been on the divide yet, uh, and he's definitely not been on Powers Parlays, but uh, he's going to be on it. So I'm excited, and the one thing I will tell you this weekend what you should be focusing on, and that's total, total base props for hits. Uh, I'm making a fortune right now off of it. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, I want to shout you out because you've made me some money. Uh, and, and Juan Soto, every time, I'm 9 out of 10. I looked it up. He's only messed me up once this whole season when I when I bet uh, total base props with him. So I'm excited for that. Uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. Uh, one, uh, look, you're going to barbecue. You're going to enjoy time with your family. 
you're going to probably go out shopping. And if you do, uh, you should be doing it with PC Richard and Son. Um, one of few companies that give back to one, their employees, the community, and also just a great place to shop. But uh, what we all really should be doing is focusing on the men and women who have sacrificed their lives for this country so that I could come here and complain about baseball. So I could come here and complain about, you know, not my parlay not hitting and it wasn't my fault. You know, so we could all bicker and complain and, and do all these things that we get to do as citizens of this country because some 18-year-old kid decided to go do something that I don't think I would ever have the guts to do. So, um, you know, this is a day to reflect. If you do it for a few minutes, do it in your style. Um, just reflect and, and, you know, salute those men and women that have paid the ultimate sacrifice. So again, so we could all be here. So I don't want to end on a sour note, uh, you know, but it's, it's necessary. You have to respect the fact that somebody went to war and died for this country and, you know, some mom and dad had to deal with that. So that's all I want to say on that. This is the divide with, uh, on Fox sports, the gambler, uh, you know, and hopefully, uh, I don't know what we're going to do next week, but, uh, Maybe, maybe I'll have Corey and his new baby in, in studio. Who knows? But uh, I'm sure we'll figure it out. We always do. Philly, stick with us. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week.